Union bosses and some members of Congress back several bills that could bring big changes for the federal workforce. The American Federation of Government Employees is calling for a bigger pay raise, more paid leave options, and a block on potential future Schedule F. Yep, the union held its annual legislative conference, and Federal News Network's Drew Friedman was there. And Drew, among one of their top priorities is the FAIR Act. Review this legislation for us. This FAIR Act is something that has been around for at least the last couple of years, if not longer. And it basically will offer a higher percentage pay raise for federal employees in 2024. This year's version of the FAIR Act would give federal employees 8.7%. That would be broken down between a 4.7% base pay raise plus a 4% average locality pay boost. This is something that was introduced by Representative Jerry Connolly from Virginia, along with Senator Brian Schaaf. And Connolly has been a longtime advocate of this legislation. The bill has never been enacted, though. Typically, you'll see a lower pay raise enacted. So, for example, this year we saw 5.1% was what was included in the FAIR Act, but 4.6% was the actual pay raise that federal employees saw. But this bill, regardless of whether or not it gets enacted, it always gets a lot of support from federal unions and advocacy groups. Everett Kelly is AFGE's national president. Number one is provide federal employees with a substantial pay raise. I mean, you all know that we really believe that federal employees deserve at a minimum of 8.7% pay increase. That's still not going to close the gap, but that's one of my priorities. And that's Mr. Kelly thumping the desk while he's making that point. And another priority is the Social Security Fairness Act. Tell us about the latest on that one, Drew. This is another bill that has been around for quite a while. It would repeal the windfall elimination provision and the government pension offset. These are two provisions of the Social Security Act that reduce the Social Security benefits for feds and their spouses, widows or widowers. This is typically bipartisan legislation, and there was a big push for it last year. It ultimately gained more than 300 co-sponsors, but didn't pass. This year's version of the bill was introduced by Garrett Graves and Abigail Spanberger. There's already about 150 co-sponsors on the legislation. Abigail Spanberger was at the AFGE conference. I know that you all know it, but these two provisions unfairly reduce the Social Security benefits of federal retirees and other public sector employees, and they have done so for nearly four decades. It is not fair, and we are continuing to do the work to get rid of these provisions. And sounds like a little rejoinder in there from Everett Kelly, so (laughs) they're on the same mind there. And Drew Friedman, the Comprehensive Paid Leave for Federal Employees Act, is that another perennial, and what would it do? This is another one that was introduced just last week by Representative Don Beyer, along with Brian Schatz. This bill would give federal employees 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave. This would essentially replace the unpaid 12 weeks that they already get under the Family and Medical Leave Act. This paid leave would be available to federal employees after they've been in their jobs for a year, and it would also not cut into sick leave or personal leave. It's notable that this is another bill that has been around for a couple of years. It is bipartisan legislation, and Don Beyer was at the conference as well to voice his support for the bill. We're one of the very few countries in the civilized world that doesn't guarantee full paid leave for their workforce, and especially for our government workforce. But in celebration of the 30th anniversary of the Family Medical Leave Act during Clinton, last week I proudly introduced the Comprehensive Paid Leave for Federal Employees Act. 
It's bipartisan. It'll be 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave for federal employees. So I wonder what the issue is, because there's enough Republican support to get the House, and now the Senate, we would presume, would go for this, and certainly the president would. Sounds like this one has a good chance this year. It might. It's been around for just a couple years, so it's possible with support that it will get through, but we're just, it's again, just going to be kind of a wait-and-see game on that one. And there's also renewed calls for Schedule F. I think there's competing dueling bills on that particular, as some detractors call it, the politicization of certain levels of of career federal employees. What's the latest there? This is something that has gained some traction this week. We saw the introduction of the Saving the Civil Service Act by Senator Tim Kaine and Representative Jerry Connolly on the House side. This bill would essentially stop any future presidential administration from issuing a type of executive order similar to Schedule F. Schedule F was an executive order from the Trump administration that sought to reclassify about 50,000 federal employees to a new reclassification system, and it would have essentially made those employees easier to fire. Uh, Those who are proponents of Schedule F say that it would offer more flexibility and remove poor performers, but there's also a lot of pushback and criticism of that policy, so it's something that Democrats in Congress are now trying to push back against and ensure it doesn't happen again. And with the Saving the Civil Service Act, there were a couple of changes in this newest version of the bill, where now the Office of Personnel Management would have to approve agency requests to reclassify federal employees, and the employees themselves would have to to consent to the reclassification. So it seems like there's a couple added layers to this bill. This is something that cleared the House NDAA last year, but ultimately was not included in the compromise version. And Representative Jerry Connolly, who introduced the bill, was at the AFGE conference as well. A nonpartisan, non-politicized civil service is not a new idea. Protecting that is really critical. And it's a critical part of our mission. We haven't won that fight. I got that bill passed in the House, but it didn't survive the conference with the Senate. So we're going to try again. All right. Thank you. And we won't cease until we win. All right. We heard it from Jerry Connolly. And we should point out by now that uh, Senator Kane has introduced a similar bill in the Senate. So that's percolating and Maybe that could be the death knell this year for Schedule F. Just give us a quick sense, Drew, of the feeling at the AFGE conference. It sounds pretty upbeat, actually. There seems like there's going to be a big push from AFGE union leaders and members just to try to get these are just a handful of examples of bills on their legislative priorities list. But there was a very strong sentiment of trying to ensure better rights for workers. For example, they talked about trying to ensure that union-covered employees still get um, official time, they get office space to be able to conduct union activities. And the sentiment was just really strong in, in trying to keep that momentum going uh, and get some of these these other bills passed as well. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. Thanks so much. Thank- Leadership Today especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get-involved. 
Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually, usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone and I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see, you know, throw, send in my information and lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn, uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, DC. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has, a, has a good story. Like, it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, often when he'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is, you know, stressing me out. And come on, you know, like look at look at Terrell. Like he, he he faces everything with optimism, and 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 I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally. You see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents when they were born were often told this is a tragedy, and you should you should you know send your this child away. Don't don't you know and, and kind of forget about them. Get, turn them over to the state or or wherever, and and you know that you know just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and 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 in in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know. And but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming, and uh, and and you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from the athletes of Special Olympics that, uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do. But but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I 
I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That, that, you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful. And, and uh, I mean, we work hard and, you know, we we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day, but uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the, at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot, but you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved, everyone's welcome, everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.